I love that song. <laughs> Pour your spirit out. An amazing song. When we study the Bible, God's word, we observe God's interaction with his creation. God's involvement is complex and it's, it's beyond our human reasoning. However, in spite of the fact that we don't always understand, God always has a purpose for everything that he does. Our challenge is to understand why. Why? And what in the world does it have to do with us today? Twelve weeks ago, we began our series on the book of Exodus, trying to make sense of an ancient people group called the Hebrews, their predicament, which was slavery in Egypt, and the leaders that God recruited to lead them. And what is God doing anyway? Today, we're going to look at the plagues. It's your favorite topic, I'm sure, the plagues. Not the plague, singular, but plagues, plural. Now, when we hear the word plague, we probably think of disease and sickness, disaster, Ebola, death, judgment, or even COVID. That might be what you think about. Many of us may think of the bubonic plague or the black death, as it was called. Or you may think, when you hear the word plagues, you may think about the 10 plagues of Egypt that we find in Exodus. And we're going to look today at nine of the 10 plagues in Egypt, found in chapters 7 through 10. We're not going to read all that, so you can relax a little bit. The plagues are described by related Hebrew words that all mean blow or stroke. Blow or stroke, as well as the words meaning signs, which means that plagues have a twofold dimension. Number one, it's, it's proof of God's activity, which is signs. And secondly, it's the nature of that activity being a blow or a strike. It's God's hand, God's activity, which is a sign, and blow or strike. And the plagues also had a twofold purpose, a twofold purpose, which hopefully we can identify with. Number one is judgment for the Egyptians. Number two, salvation for the Israelites. Judgment and salvation. Today we're going to ask the question, hopefully answer it too, why plagues? Why plagues? The purpose of the plagues. Why did God bring them about and what was God's purpose in the plagues? And what in the world do plagues that happened centuries ago have to do with us here in Wisconsin today? That's the question. We're going to look at the first nine plagues that are divided into three groups of three plagues each. God seems to be very organized even in his plagues, just so you know. At the beginning of each triad of plagues, God makes a statement to Moses. God makes a statement to Moses, which gives us a hint as to what the reason is for that series of plagues. And I'd like you to turn with me to reference point. We're, gonna, we're going to go to Exodus, the seventh chapter to start. Exodus 7, just one verse, verse 17 it's on page 49 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. We'll also be up on the projection. Acts, Acts, Exodus 7, 17. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. By this you will know that I am the Lord. Why, 
why plagues? The first, first purpose statement that this passage makes is the first purpose of the plagues is to know God's authority. Know God's authority. I am the Lord. I am in charge. God says, I'm the creator. And as a creator, I have all the authority to do whatever I choose to do. You will know that I am the Lord. Now, how did he demonstrate that? He demonstrated that first in nature. Here, as we see in nature, God shows his authority. God shows that he is indeed in charge. He's in charge. The first plague was the Nile River and all the water in Egypt was turned to blood. Second was frogs swarmed throughout the whole land. And it wasn't just everywhere outside. It was in the houses. It was in the bedrooms. It was kitchens, ovens, bowls, everywhere. These are frogs everywhere. And the third plague were lice or gnats. Now, I grew up in Minnesota and we had, we had what we called noceums. You guys know what noceums are. You have them in Wisconsin. They're so small they get through screens. They're little gnats that just kind of, they get everywhere. You can't see them. So we called them noceums. I don't know if that's what you call them here. Okay, that's good. But we find that God used nature to reveal himself in a miraculous way. And one writer, Maxie Dunham, says this. He says, the plagues, as they are popularly designated, are at the heart of the Lord's redemption of Israel. God uses his own creation, that which occurs in nature, either natural and orderly, or that which we might consider to be an aberration or evil, to achieve divine purpose. In this case, to deliver Israel and to make God's power known in Egypt and throughout the entire world. Know God's authority. God has revealed himself throughout history through nature and natural disaster. Whether it was the great flood that Noah experienced, uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is probably a volcanic eruption, God is knowable and he reveals himself through nature, through nature. In Romans 1, 18 to 20, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. We see his hand in nature. We see his hand in nature. Why the plagues? Pharaoh didn't believe in the God of the Israelites. Pharaoh didn't believe in the God of the Israelites. So God began to reveal himself in this particular case through plagues, through nature, through the created order. Not only does God reveal himself through nature, Pharaoh was also going to discover who God was through his word, his word. This is God's authority demonstrated by God's word. How did this happen? God told Pharaoh ahead of time what he was going to do, and then he did it. He said, I'm going to do this, and then he did it. This is something called prophecy, prophecy. Now, when we think about prophecy, we always think about the book of Revelation or Daniel and these, these end times philosophies uh, of prophecies of different things. But this particular case, we see that God revealed himself through his word in something called prophecy. He said, this is what I'm going to do, and then he did it. Prophecy is foretelling future 
events, future events. In 2 Peter 1.20, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along or moved by the Holy Spirit. Moses prophesied, and it happened. 2 Peter 2.9 says, If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. What does that mean? It means God is in control. He says this is what's going to happen, and it happens. God's authority is demonstrated by what he says. He says it, and it comes to be. Do we have many examples of God revealing who he is through the word? Prophecy is one of them. The other one is, when we think about God's word, think about the living word. What was the living word? First John, or John 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There he's talking about the word, talking about the creation, what God has done. Then it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's authority and God is knowable through his word. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the word, the living word, Jesus. Jesus. We can know him through his word, the living word, Jesus. He became one of us. So God's authority living is living and demonstrated by his living word, Jesus. God is knowable for us today. Some people say, I don't, how do I know God? He's knowable for us today. And many times he reveals this fact in the fact that he's the Lord over all creation. By bringing, just like the plagues, he brings natural disasters, tsunamis, hurricanes, fires, tornadoes, cyclones. What do these plagues do? What do these events do? They, they strip us of our false sense of security that we're in control, that we have it all together. We put our trust in a lot of things, but those are false gods. They're false hopes. Only God is the one true God of all creation, and God reveals that by what he does and he says. So God's authority is revealed in the plagues. It's important that we understand it's him. He's the one that's in charge. The next three plagues are introduced with Exodus 8, 22 through 23. Very next chapter, Exodus 8, 22 through 23, says, but on that day I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of fly will, flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. He says, I will make a distinction between my people and your people so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. The second purpose of plagues, God is in control. This one is to know that God is involved. God is involved. We, God is not this absentee landlord that just kind of created the world and started everything spinning and everything went well, and then he just stands back and lets it happen. No, God, that, and that's some people's perception of this God. Way up there, he just doesn't care. He's just kind of up there. 
God is involved intricately in everything that happens. How do we know that? Well, first of all, God established guidelines and laws. He established guidelines and laws. There's a, the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Laws of thermodynamics, laws of physics, laws of right and wrong, laws of cause and effect. God doesn't have to violate or intervene in his naturally created order to bring calamity. God sometimes brings calamity through nature, through the laws of nature. Through the laws of nature. He set up guidelines and laws. Now, one of the, one of the epidemics that we experienced about 20 years ago um, was AIDS, the Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome which some believe was a created epidemic. We don't know exactly what, uh, it, how it happened. But medical experts failed in their attempts to create an AIDS vaccine that was supposed to immunize, but rather made people more susceptible to this disease. Now, there were a lot of innocent people. They were victims of AIDS. But by and large, the majority of persons contracted AIDS through one of two means. Illicit sex, either heterosexual or homosexual, or the, the illegal drug activity. It was like a sin against nature, go against the laws of nature, what God has established as proper behavior and healthy behavior, and we pay a horrible price. And of course, AIDS was passed on to innocent babies and unknowing spouses and hemophiliacs. See, God is present in this world, he acts in this world, but he's established Guidelines. He's established moral values and boundaries and laws. And he is involved. And if we sin against those laws, we reap consequences as a result of going against the natural created order. God sets guidelines because he's involved. And we looked about five, six years ago, we looked at God's top ten, the Ten Commandments. So God established guidelines in how we are to relate to God how do we relate correctly to God? And then how do we relate to our fellow human beings? And he named all these guidelines. And they're relationship guidelines. They're not rules and regulations. They're, they're relationship-based. And so if we follow those relationships-based, um, we do fine. We do well. We're healthy. And that shows that God is involved. And, of course, some of the things where we've, we've totally abandoned God's guidelines. I mean, it started with, started with um, sex outside of marriage, premarital sex, extramarital sex. Uh, you sin against nature, all kinds of things happen. Does God forgive sin? Yes, he does. But all of that, then, then we had uh, the predominance of homosexuality, then, then same-sex marriage, and now it's this, the, the transgender confusion. All of these things are against God's created order. And what do they do? They create incredible problems. And they're brought on by committing sin against nature. God has set up guidelines, and this is sin against nature. God has guidelines and laws. And God is involved. God is involved. Also, God is involved in through intervention. In 823 of Exodus, uh, it says, I will make a distinction between my people and your people. God makes a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. And it's interesting, the first three plagues affected all of Egypt. 
You read all of Egypt was affected by the first three plagues. The last six plagues, the land of Goshen, where the Hebrews resided, where God's people resided, was not touched. And the lesson is sometimes the plague or judgment touches everyone and the innocent suffer. Sometimes we say, how can, how can God allow something and the innocent suffer? The plague comes and everybody's affected. At other times, God intervenes and he spares the righteous. Or he takes action, allowing laws to take its course. Sometimes we all suffer. Sometimes the innocent are spared. Usually there's a mixture of the two. But since God is involved, when we have plagues and we have disaster and all those things, God can intervene and God can answer prayer. So one of of the things that's amazing is that we have a God that's not only involved, but he answers prayer. Why plagues? The third purpose of plagues that we see here is to know God's power. Exodus 9.14 says, so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. There's no one like me in all the earth. Even Pharaoh's magicians told him that after he could no longer imitate God's plagues. They said, this is the finger of God. After the sixth plague, even the magicians were affected. They went through this sequence, and finally they said, this has to be God. This has to be God. The power of God demonstrated that the hail that destroyed crops, the locusts, destroying whatever plant life was, was left, darkness over Egypt for three days. Egypt now, when you finish the first nine plagues, Egypt is totally destroyed economically. Totally destroyed. And Pharaoh has now seen God's authority, God's involvement, and God's power. And you would think... You would think, and as we read, the, read through the passage, you would think that Pharaoh would say, I'm sorry, I forget, forgive me. I didn't realize. But what did he do? After every one, and we talked about this last message, he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart and refused to acknowledge who God was. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm in the middle of a, trial or plague, it doesn't matter what it is, I, I need God really bad, okay? And, and so I cry out to God, and I ask him, I say, God, I need you. And then he delivers me. What do I do? Oh, I guess that wasn't so bad. Then, then we go on our way. We don't need God anymore. There's this constant balance that we have to find between needing God and being independent. We're, we're on a whole journey, a lifetime journey of, of moving from independence to dependence on God. And as we grow up, we kind of learn this whole thing as kids are, are young. They, they're dependent on their parents, and they get old, and they want to express their, their independence. And then you get older, and then you start having to depend on people again. But our whole spiritual journey is the same way. We begin at odds with God. We give our life to Christ, and, and we begin to become more and more dependent on him. And when we Stray, then he allows things into our lives that, that call them plagues, call them challenges, whatever it might be. But he allows those things to come into our life so that we realize our dependence once again on God. I am convinced, I'm convinced that, that the plague or the pandemic or pandemic or whatever you want to call has happened over the last two years. 
was there to get our attention. Now, there's been a nefarious plot, New World Order thing. You, you, can, you can read all about that. Uh, the World Economic Forum trying to take over our world. All, all those things are true. But nothing happens in this world without God's permission. And God needed to wake us up. Needed to wake, and I'm not talking waking us up politically, but spiritually and saying, God, we need you. We desperately need God. And that's one of the reasons for, for sending and allowing circumstances like that to wake people up so they see their need of God. We're talking about wanting a fresh wind, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Well, if everything is going great, we don't necessarily see that we need it so bad. But boy, I tell you, when we realize how badly we need God, there, there is so much fear. Now, some of you may not live, be living in fear. I hope you're not, because God is in control. But people around us are living in fear. They need to hear something, something promising that God is involved. God will hear. God will answer prayer. God didn't send this plague. Evil people brought this about. But God can use the plague to draw us closer to him, to strengthen the church, to strengthen our faith in God. Then we look at it from a totally different process. So know God's power. Number four, why plagues? To know God's mercy. To know God's mercy. Now, how do these plagues demonstrate God's mercy? How has the COVID pandemic shown God's mercy? In this particular case, God delayed the plagues. God gave warnings. God relented, and then he stopped the plagues. God gave Pharaoh nine chances, nine chances to repent and obey. Alan Cole writes, all the plagues came in mercy rather than judgment, for each one was an opportunity for Pharaoh to repent. Instead, he hardened his heart, making his final judgment both certain and inexcusable. Mercy, God's mercy on us as a people. 2 Peter 3, 8-9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Wanting everyone to come to repentance. Patience. I look at people sometimes and I, that are just evil and doing awful things, and I say, God, just strike them dead, would you? I mean, it's like we want them to be removed from the face of the earth because they're doing so, they're causing so much pain. And God said, I'm pay- my mercy is, is for them too. My mercy is for them too. And 2 Peter 3, 12 to 13 says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, the day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. God is a patient God. God is a God of mercy, of mercy. And it's a good thing because we all need his mercy. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. 
not receiving what we deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. And as a nation and as individuals, we have and continue to at times experience the hand of judgment from God. The purpose is not to destroy us, but to turn us to God and to restore relationship with God, our creator. The purpose is to help us realize that we desperately need God. Now, I'm not saying that we should just roll over and say, well, I guess if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But there's an incredible obsession with physical life and physical health. Now, I believe we ought to take care of our physical bodies. I think we ought to live in health. We ought to go to the doctor. I think we should do all those things. But this is just the beginning. If we're so obsessed with now that we forget about then, that we are going to live forever. We're going to live forever. Don't be so obsessed and and fearful about this life. It's the next life that we live for. So what is the ultimate purpose of plagues? Ultimate purpose is to know God's salvation. Know God's salvation. And by know, I mean experience God's salvation. And if you take time to read these three or four chapters in Exodus, it's through the plagues that Israel was going to be delivered. Through the plagues, Israel was going to become a sovereign nation. The purpose of the plagues was to bring the people to the point of desperation. Without desperation, there's no salvation. The Israelites would have been content to just stay in Egypt, just stay there. The plagues were making things uncomfortable so they would be ready to move into what? The promised land to be ready for salvation. Sometimes plagues are allowed in our life. The tough times are allowed into our lives so that we're ready to move forward and realize our need for God. How many of us came to God in the middle of, of, of traumatic times and tough times? We realized we needed God. Without desperation, there's no salvation. We must see our need. We've got to see our need. It's a demonstration of God's power and the deliverance of God's people. So how are we going to respond? This kind of a, I'll, I'll be honest, some passages are a lot easier to preach on than others. But this is here, so we're going through it. How are we going to respond? God allows plagues to come into our lives. Sometimes he sends them as natural consequences of our actions or sin. But sometimes he brings it. And his judgment can be on all of us, but his mercy, his mercy is always there for each and every one of us. And one of the verses I love, and I'm going to close with this, is Romans 8.28. If you don't know it, memorize it. Memorize this verse. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things God works for your good even plagues. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you had a purpose for these plagues. And I'm sure they didn't necessarily understand all that. 
But in the end, they realized that we look back on history and we realize that you had, a, you had, had some incredible purposes for plagues in order to bring people to God and to deliver Israel to go to the promised land so that someday the word would become flesh, Jesus would come and he would live, teach, preach, and then he would die and be resurrected. And all that came out of this exodus from Egypt and it started with the plagues. Lord, I know we don't always see your purpose or your hand behind everything that you're doing. But I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to help our focus to be on you, knowing that you are the God that's in control, you are the God involved, and that we would look for your plan and your purpose in all of this. And that we can, in the middle of that, we can praise you and we can worship you, we can sing. Hallelujah. Let's stand, shall we?